Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Good evening, friends, uh, Life Story Church family. We're so glad that you guys are here. It's a beautiful evening. Somebody say amen. Amen. We have a few folks with us. If you're here with us already, I want you to do me a favor. Comment and say, I'm glad you're here. If you see a church family member, say, hey there, Pam, hey there, whoever, uh, and say hello. If you see somebody on here that you've never seen before, welcome them as well. Well, we're so glad that you guys are joining us tonight. Uh, a couple announcements to get to you right off the bat. Uh, we are going to be celebrating Father's Day this Sunday. Are you guys excited? I hope you're excited. I want you guys to do me a favor. I want you to invite uh, uh, fathers uh, if they're in the area. I want you to invite mentors. I want you to invite anybody that you can. We're going to have Donuts for Dads on Sunday, okay? We're going to be meeting out at the Outdoor Chapel at the Rowwood Retreat Center, okay? And we're going to have our uh, Facebook advertisement going, the flyers out there. Please share that and, and really pick up a phone and invite somebody for Sunday if you would. It's going to be a special day. Uh, it's been so beautiful to be out at the retreat. Uh, if you've been out there with us, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been out to, to enjoy service with us at the Outdoor Chapel yet, Please, this would be a great Sunday to come. It's so beautiful out there. We want to share that with you guys, okay? Also, I want to encourage you to visit LifeStoryChurch.com. If you are uh, uh, somebody who has linked arms with us to build this church here in the Bellevue community of Nashville, Tennessee, you can do online giving there. If you've been doing that and faithful in that way, Thank you guys so much, especially during this strange COVID-19 time. It's really something that I know that you've had to make sure that you, re you remember to do uh, as, as sometimes we're not meeting as frequently as we have been. But uh, again, that speaks to how grateful we are for the Rao uh, Wood Retreat Center. So uh, we'll see you guys Sunday. But go to the website, find out who we are, uh, what we believe and why. If you're just stumbling across this right now, uh, Life Story Church, and you've never been here, you don't know anything about us, go to LifeStoryChurch.com and find out, okay? Uh, also, uh, take advantage of uh, social media, guys. If you'd help me out and share this video, uh, help out our media team that's doing all this hard work to get everything together uh, for you guys, share it so we can get more exposure, more likes, so your friends, uh, your family can see uh, what you're a part of here in Nashville, and uh, friends, Facebook friends, uh, will see what you're up to as well, and maybe they'll want to come visit if they're local as well. All right? All right. So tonight's message, uh, <clears throat> we'll just jump right into it. It's one that I believe touches part of every single one of us. Uh, why, does God, why does God allow His children to suffer? Why? Now, as many of you know, uh, my father passed away in 2018, and that was a, a tough time for myself, for my family. It was cancer that got him uh, and helped expediate his process into glory. Uh, cancer, it was, the cancer was an agonizing battle for him. I wish I could tell you otherwise, but it was agonizing for him. It was agonizing for the people that loved him. It was agonizing for them to watch. You know, and just this 
this past week, just this past week, I received a message from a friend uh, who's struggling with the loss uh, of a friend's child, somebody that they've been praying for, somebody, a child who, who shouldn't be sick at such a young age, a child who is so full of life and such a blessing to their family and to, and to this friend that reached out to me, and they've had to, they've had to uh, struggle with the loss of him. You know, I did my best. I did my best to uh, bring comfort. Uh, but in the process, you know, I was inspired to teach on this subject again. Uh, it just begs the question. It begs the question, why? Why suffering? And if you're a note taker, that's our sermon title tonight. If we haven't seen it yet, we can go to that picture. Why suffering? Why was this necessary? Why was it necessary for, for this child to pass this past week? Why was that necessary? Why was it necessary for my dad to pass? Especially in the way that he did. He was a godly man. Uh, he was a pillar in the community and uh, his ministry stretched far and wide. Why was that necessary? Here's maybe the better question. Why did God allow it? Why did God allow it? Have you ever ever asked yourself these questions? I, I know most of us have. You're, you're not here on earth very long before you find yourself asking that question, are you? Why suffering? Why does God allow it when it's within His power to cease and to stop? And, and we know that He does from time to time. We believe in miracles, but I'll digress. One of my favorite books uh, on, on the issue was written by uh, Ravi Zacharias. It's called Why Suffering. So I'm going to borrow our sermon title from Ravi tonight. I know there's a lot of you guys watching this tonight and within, your, within our church that love Ravi. I certainly love Ravi. as a major influence on me and my teaching and uh, my, my theology uh, growing as a pastor. Uh, Ravi, uh, in this book, uh, he gets into the theological rabbit hole of this question, really. And I think it's fitting that, honestly, I think it's fitting uh, the timing uh, of this message uh, and fitting that we, we lean on Ravi so much uh, as well because Ravi himself just recently lost his battle with cancer, as so many of you know. So, in this book, in this book, and I encourage you all to get it if you don't have it yet, uh, Why Suffering by Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale, Ravi goes down the theological rabbit hole He's explaining the nature of the world first. And that's something that we've got to understand. If we're going to try to take on such a big question as why suffering, then we've got to understand uh, the nature of the world. In, in essence, good versus evil. Good versus evil. Evil is by and large a byproduct of free will. It's a byproduct. Why is there why suffering? Well, why is there evil in the evil in the world? You see where he's going here. Evil is by and large a byproduct of free will. So, uh, so I'm going to jump right out of the gate here with you guys, and we're going to do some points. I know some of you guys, especially you note takers, love it when we do point one, point two, point three. Well, we're going to have some one, two, threes, and we're going to have some A, B, C, Ds tonight as well. All right, Amen. Are you ready? Somebody say I'm ready. I'll wait for you. I can hear it in the spirit. You're saying, I'm ready right now. Awesome. Point one, why suffering? Point one today is this. What's the point? What is the point? Why suffering? What is the point? Well, free will. Free will. 
church. Free will is, of course, necessary, necessary for us to truly love. Do you understand that? For us to truly love, free will is a necessary part of that. Otherwise, we'd be robots, wouldn't we? I think I had it explained to me that way uh, when I was a child, by, to, explained to me by my mother as a child as, well, you know, if God wants us to choose to love Him, and if we didn't choose to love Him, then we would just be robot, robots or lemmings that were programmed to love Him, right? So, free will is, of course, necessary for us to truly love. And God being love, follow me here, God being love, we can understand what this whole experience on earth here is all about. Do you know? I mean, this is a big question, guys. We, you simply ask a question like, why suffering? And next thing you know, you're talking about why are we even here in the first place? These things are so interconnected. You'll understand what this whole experience on earth here is about. And do you know what it's about? It's our opportunity as God's creation, as His sons and daughters, to come to know God intimately in a way that we never could otherwise. We have the opportunity to choose love, to choose God, to choose to love God. That's what this is all about. That, that gives us a, this unique opportunity, church, to have an intimate relationship with Him in a way we never would if we didn't have free will if we didn't have love, to experience and know the love of God as God is love, as the Word tells us. God is love. So to know God, you've got you've to love. And to love, you've got to have free will because you've got to choose love for it to be love. Are you following me? It's a rabbit hole. It's a theological rabbit hole, I'm telling you. But I, please tell me you're tracking with me tonight, okay? You... You can't love God. You can't know God, therefore, without free will. But what happens when you don't choose good? When you don't choose good, it's evil. Think about it. We're, both fa we're all, both you and me, Cameron, we're, we're all faced with the decision of choosing right and wrong, choosing good, choosing even when we don't choose what or choose good, what is it? It's evil. It's sin. And sin leads to death, doesn't it? And sin leads to suffering, church. When Adam sinned, talking about original sin, when Adam sinned, sin and sickness entered the world. Do you understand that? When he sinned, Sin and sickness entered the world. It entered our flesh, therefore. Now, we've laid all of this out here before, you know. Uh, we love, we're a theo theological uh, teaching church. We love to teach doctrine here at Life Story Church, don't we? So we've laid, the, we've laid all this out before, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But in case you missed it, uh, let me show you a picture here. Do we have that picture, free will? Free will equals choice. It's simple. Free will equals choice. Right versus wrong. Having an option, yet still choosing God. Let's keep this picture on the screen for us for a minute, guys, as I explain this. Having an option, yet still choosing what's right. Right? And by choosing right, we're choosing love. Alright? That is love. To have an option, 
to have an option and still choosing God or still choosing right. Think of it this way. It wouldn't be much of a love story. You know, Amber and I, I think Amber and I have an, a great love story. I don't know if you've ever sat down on the couch with us and had a cup of coffee and we've told you our little love story. That's one of our things we love to do. When we first meet somebody, when somebody first comes into the church, we always say, we want, to, we want people to come over to, to our house for coffee if we can get them over there. And we want to hear their story. You know, tell us if it's a married couple, how'd you meet? What's your story? We're, we love to tell our story, right? Uh, we, we love to, like the think that we've got a, a great little, a little love story ourselves, but it wouldn't be much of a love story, think about this, if Amber had been forced to marry me. Would it? That wouldn't be much of a love story. Love and choice are intrinsic to each other and to our very being, church, to our very existence. Love and choice are intrinsic to one another. Love and choice. Church, what is life without love? Truly, think about that for a moment. What is life without love? And what is love without choice? Kind of feels like we're kind of talking in circles a little bit at this point, doesn't it? Let's go back to that picture. Can we see that? So, choice, free will equals choice. Uh, basically, choice to choose right or to choose wrong. When you choose right, you choose love. You choose to, uh, love is choosing God because God is love. You get that? You see that? When you choose wrong, it's what? When you choose wrong, it's sin. It's sin. Now, that word oftentimes uh, in, uh, the church, uh, in the church, especially through the generations, has got this, when you hear the word sin, it's just you think of all of the bad things a person could do, right? All of the ways that, that uh, 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 people can be debased and uh, debauched and everything else. Sin, it's, you know, the way we can be greedy and prideful and everything else. Well, sin, in the Greek, if you break that down, truly what sin means, and in the Hebrew, sin just basically means to miss the mark. It means I'm trying for an ideal, I'm trying for a goal, and I'm falling short. So sin means to fall short. Sin, so to choose wrong, is to miss the points and to miss the mark. Separate from God. Having the option, having the option, and not choosing right, not choosing God, therefore not choosing love. One choice, church, leads to intimacy with God, the other to emptiness and selfism. One leads to intimacy with God, the other to emptiness and selfism, but the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Ravi, in this book, uh, he even tells a story. He was uh, in Pittsburgh. Let's see if I can't ruin this story. He was in Pittsburgh, and he was teaching uh, at a conference in Pittsburgh, and he bumped into a man in the elevator, and the man in the elevator uh, was there on business and uh, 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 had said, you know, you're obviously a teacher. He said, what are, what are you teaching on at this conference? Uh, and uh, Ravi said, well, I'm teaching on the problem of pleasure, the problem uh, of pleasure. Uh, and the man said, well, I didn't know that was a problem, right? Isn't that how most people would re respond? Uh, and he said, well, that's why I'm teaching on it. The problem of pleasure. Most people don't know that it's a problem. That's why I'm teaching on it. He said, uh, he says in that, in that teaching, he said, the meaningless, meaningless doesn't come from people being weary of suffering. 
doesn't come from being weary of pain. It comes as one realizes that the pleasures of this life will never fulfill the soul's need for purpose. Wow. So it's truly the pleasures of this world that lead to emptiness and meaninglessness. Not pain and not suffering, church. It is pleasure that leads to emptiness. Choosing wrong. Choosing wrong. He added then that pain is necessary. It, pain is a necessary uh, as pleasure, pleasure itself, is truly only defined by its contrast to pain. Interesting, isn't it? Church, one choice. One choice leads to intimacy with God. The other to emptiness and to selfism. This is all about choice, but by giving us that choice so that we could then choose to love Him, it gives people the opportunity not to choose Him, to choose sin, to choose selfism, to choose wrong, and ultimately those are the choices that not only hurt the person, the individual, but hurt those people around them as well. Choosing hate, choosing anger, choosing self-gratification only brings about, only brings about suffering, church. So I get it. I get it, right? I get it theologically. It makes sense. Are you with me? It makes sense, okay? I can, I can get that, okay? You know, I, we, so, so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Our God is a God of miracles, is He not? Our God is a God of miracles. We know that He's an interventionist. We say it all the time. We believe that our God is an interventionist God. Why doesn't He intervene then? Why doesn't He intervene all the time then? Or every time for that matter? Why did my dad have to suffer? Why did my dad have to suffer? Why this child? The, <laughs> that was lost this week to friends of ours. For what purpose? For what purpose? And that's, that's our point too. That's our second point this evening for our note takers. What's the purpose? What is the purpose? You know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget uh, in 2018, after Dad had passed away, uh, you know, dealing with all of the emotions of it, because we think of suffering, we think of it, think of it in a couple different ways. You know, there's the suffering that 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 Dad had to suffer in his own body, the pain, the anguish, right? But then there's the suffering. That's that's physical suffering. That's you know, suffering from you know different accidents people have or injuries that they could have in their body. But then there's suffering that's emotional too. You know, the emotional suffering of losing a loved one, the emotional suffering of bro uh, having a broken heart for whatever reason, right? Uh, what's the purpose in it? What is the purpose in it? That, that, um, that Thursday night driving home, I remember I thought about it. We listened to worship music, you know, and just sang worship music in the car as we drove home from South Dakota all the way back to Nashville. 
you know, but I remember that night in the hotel, laying in bed trying to rest, and I just, the feelings of despair for losing my dad, the panic feelings would grip me like, I'm, I don't have him, he's gone. You know, loneliness, self-doubt, horrible feelings. I wrestled for hours that night, you know. These questions ringing in my ears, what's the point, what's the purpose? Why didn't he, inter why didn't God intervene, why? Don't think I don't understand this question, church. I understand it. And I think everybody watching with us right now understand it, understands this as well, don't you? Suffering does many things to us. It does many things to us. There is a purpose for suffering beyond the theological, right? There's, there's a purpose in it beyond the theological. I would tackle that with our first section here. Moving into our second section here, Let's tackle beyond the theological, all right? King David said this. He said this in Psalms chapter 119, verse 71, all right? I'm going to let you take a minute and look it up. We're having a little bit of computer issues that the team is on right now as far as uh, getting our verses up and our points up for you guys. So, note takers, this is your time to shine, all right? And I'm going to give you guys an extra minute to find it in, the, in your Bible, so flip through. And maybe we'll get this back up in a minute. But in any case, here we are. Psalm 119. I'll write it down if you don't have time to get there. Verse 71. This is such a cool psalm because you know, I never knew about this, uh, knew about this as a, a younger man when I would read through my psalms, which is a great practice to read, read through the psalms throughout the course of the year, by the way. But Psalm 19 is just about right in the dead center of the Bible. Did you know that? It's almost like the halfway mark of the Bible. And in Psalm 119, many uh, scholars believe that this is a chapter, a psalm, that King David used to teach Solomon the alphabet. Pretty cool, huh? As you read through Psalm 119, it's also the longest psalm of all the psalms. I believe it's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And before each section, you'll see... Hebrew letters marked out. So many scholars believe that this is King David was using this to teach Solomon the alphabet. How, how pretty powerful is that? Anyway, that's uh, conjecture. But Psalm 119 verse 71 reads, It was good for me, David said. <clears throat> King David. Think of King David. <clears throat> Prophecy given to him that he would sit on the throne, that he would be king. Found himself running and hiding in caves for tw another 20 years after that. This King David says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. But it's more than that even. It's more than that even. Suffering does a few things. And this is going to be our A, B, and C. Suffering does a few things. Suffering, A, it comes in many forms. It comes in many forms. B, it suffer, suffering builds uh, community. It, 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 A, it comes in many forms. It builds community. C, suffering equips us for ministry. And D, suffering tempts us. So let's work through that list, shall we? A, suffering. Suffering has many faces, church, doesn't it? We've talked about it a little bit already. The Bible doesn't whitewash. It truly doesn't. As, as much as the prosperity... Uh, uh, gospel panderers, teachers want to tell you, the Bible does not whitewash our experience of suffering by saying that it's all of one stripe. It doesn't. Rather, it recognizes them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 reads, We are afflicted, 
in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And these two verses, in just these two verses, church, uh, Paul lists several types of suffering. Several types of suffering. Mental, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. Each of these are different ways that we can suffer. Each are different ways that we can suffer. And when suffering comes, church, often several of these types of suffering are involved and even at the same time. B, suffering builds community. So it comes in many different forms, but it also builds community. How so? Well, the church is not meant to be loosely bound, a loosely bound association of functional people. Do you, do you know that? I know there's, there's a, in the American church, uh, there's, a, there's a culture of a lot of folks that love to go to big churches so they can slip in the back, sit down, maybe talk to the people on their right or on their left, and then slip out as soon as the message is over to beat the lunch crowd, right? And that's about it, honestly. That was never the way church was intended to be. So at Life Story Church, whether we are 75 people or 750 people, that's a culture that we don't want, right? We want to strive to maintain a family-style culture in our church where everybody strives to know everybody. Everybody strives to genuinely care about everybody to where people can't just slip in the back and slip out. Amen? Are you with me on that? So what are you going to do when you see somebody new, right? You're going to go make them feel a part of the crowd, right? A part of the church. Amen? Okay. The church is not meant to be a loosely bound association of functional people. Paul confronts that type of thinking when he writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He says, bear one, another, one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ when you do. Mm. Bearing burdens of one another. The church is meant to be a refuge for those who are suffering. That needs to be a goal of ours, church. When a member is hurting, the church applies the bandages. Amen? Do you hear that? When a member is down, the church encourages Oh, let us take that to heart and not, let it not be lost on us. Are you looking around, looking around our church family are you, and, and look for anyone who might be hurting, anyone who might be suffering? It's your, it's your job to be the medic, to bring the bandage, to lift the arms of our brothers and sisters. And don't think even in the church that's as small as we are, don't think that don't, people don't hide. They hide their pain. They hide their hurting. Church family, listen to me right now. I... I hope that, that you can take my lead. I share my broken heart with you guys from the, from the stage as often as I get up there. As often as I can. I'm talking about my dad tonight, right? I, I, we have, Amber and I have always believed that to, to be in leadership of a church, we, when we accepted the call to be pastors, we said to one another, we'll stand, we'll stand naked metaphorically before the crowd, right? That means we'll have nothing that we hide. We won't hide our hurt. We won't hide our dreams. We won't hide the truth. Nothing. Uh, we, we have got to, if you're watching this and your life story family here, You've got to share your burdens with your brothers and sisters and don't hide them, all right? And in the same way, church, we need to be looking for the burdens in one another so we can rally, so we can be the bandages, so we can lift the arms, amen? 
When a member is down, the church encourages. When a member is in need, the church comes alongside to help. Amen? Somebody say amen. Somebody in here? Amen? We got amens going on. <laughs> See, what does suffering do? Suffering equips us for ministry. It equips us for ministry. First-hand experience in suffering is essential. If you've never suffered in your life, you're, I'm just telling you, you know, the ways that God can use you to comfort another person is going to be limited. So, first-hand experiences in suffering is essential in equipping us for ministry. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he says that God comforts, comforts us, there we go, God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Well, let me read that again. I mean, I'm just going to be quiet for a minute because I want you to really hear this Holy Spirit right now. Open the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord. God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm. But how? And what is the link between experiencing suffering and equipping for ministry? Well, David Paulison uh, is a, was a Christian counselor. He passed away last year. He was a, a Christian coalition guy. He was a, a, a renowned as a Christian counselor. He said this. He wrote a book called Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. On page 166, he said this. Can we see that? He said, When you've passed through your own fiery trials and found God to be true to what He says, you have real help to offer. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? You have first-hand experience of both His sustaining grace and His purposeful design. He has kept you through the pain. He has reshaped you more into His image. What you are experiencing from God, you can give away in increasing measure to others. You are learning both the tenderness and the clarity necessary to help sanctify another's, another person's deepest distra uh, distress. Mm. Fourth thing, can we see that list of A through D, Eva? Thank you, dear. Now that we're back up and running our A through D points, it'll be up. There we go, thank you. Suffering comes in many forms. It does these things, church. It builds community if you let it. Suffering equips us for ministry. And lastly, suffering tempts us. How so? Church, wherever there is suffering, there is a battle. Hmm. Do you feel that? Wherever there is suffering, there is a battle. A battle for your soul. The book of Job shows us that there can be two ways, two ways of responding to suffering. One that curses God because of suffering and one that praises God even in the midst of suffering. Job chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 reads, Then his wife said to him, to Job, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Mm -mm -mm. 
tell you what, be careful who you let speak into your life, even in your family. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So here's the question. You'll be tempted. Suffering tempts you. It tempts you to adopt a victim mentality. And that might be the most dangerous thing, church. It's, a, it's, a, it's an entitlement attitude is what it is. It makes you, the, the voices and the suffering that comes, why would God not deliver me from this? Why, why am I not uh, getting the healing that I need? Or why is the, my loved one not getting the healing they need? Or why is my loved one not this or that? Or why did she leave me? Or this or whatever the suffering is. Right? The suffering will try to speak to you. The voice of the enemy will try to speak to you in your suffering and say, curse God and die. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Oh, you poor thing. Here you are being played the fool by God, aren't you? The, the victim mentality says that I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. The voice of the Spirit says, should we, shall we Accept good from God, but not adversity? Mm -mm -mm. Now, I'll never forget. I'll tell this story for the rest of my life, church. I will. I think it's powerful. My dad. Yeah, I think every time I tell this story, God is more glorified. Why? Because of my dad's suffering. The suffering my dad went through on his deathbed glorifies God more and more every time the story is told. Why? Because I've mentioned this before. If you know me well, you, you know the story. His dad laid on his deathbed, riddled with cancer in his body, in pain and anguish, vomiting from the cancer. Black whatever. It was Horrible, horrible for him, horrible for everyone who loved him to watch. And what, did, what was my dad's response? Was it to curse God and die? Certainly not. He raised his hands and he'd say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praising Jesus, raising his hands through the pain. Point three. Point three. Summary point one was what's the point? Point two, what's the purpose? I'll give you point three. There's a point, there is a purpose, and there is a plan. You know, Ravi Zacharias in this book, gosh, you guys, you got to get this book. He told the story of a girl, uh, a mother, you know, came to him for prayer. You know, uh, Ravi believed in prayer as we believe in prayer. God is a, he's a miracle worker. He hears our prayers. He, he still does miracles today. But, that, but that's not, they wouldn't be miracles if they were common, would they? It still happens, but not all the time. Somebody came to Ravi for, for uh, prayer. It was a mother. There was a problem. Her, her little girl had this rare disease. It was a rare disease that uh, affected her ability to feel pain. She couldn't feel pain. And most people would hear that and think, oh, that's awesome. I mean, you know, I've got, after years of running, I've got an ankle that would love to not feel any pain right now, right? As a, as a culture, as, as the human race, we're always trying to get out of pain, aren't we? Whatever we can. I mean, the pharmaceutical, if the pharmaceutical industry isn't evidence of that, I don't know what is, right? We're trying to get out of pain as much as possible in our mindset and in our culture as humanity. Well, this little girl couldn't feel pain. Rare congenitive uh, uh, d 
disease, if I said that right, and all the nurses in our church right now are correcting my, uh, my vocabulary. She couldn't feel pain, church. She couldn't feel pain. That means, uh, you know, if she twisted her ankle, she couldn't hear it. But as, as good, great as that might sound, it was very, very dangerous because if she stepped on a nail, she would have no idea. She was absolutely, would have no idea. If she touched something hot on the stove and burned her hand, she would have no idea. If she cut herself, she could bleed out and never know she was bleeding if she didn't see the blood. So this mother came to Ravi and asked for prayer, and she said, Our, my, my prayer is that God would let my daughter feel pain. Wow. Unbelievable. He told another story of a young man uh, who uh, a father, a father uh, uh, told the story of a young man who uh, went on a killing spree. He, I don't know the, the mental condition, that, how the, the psychologist would describe this guy's uh, 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 mental condition, but there was a, a shooting in Australia. Ravi tells a story of the shooting that had happened in Australia, and it was uh, of a young man who took a gun and just for sport, for fun, went on a shooting uh, rampage in, uh, in public. And he quoted the father when his father was interviewed, like, what in the world could you shed any uh, light on this, uh, with his, your son's state of mind? He said, you know, my son, he can't feel the weight of doing anything wrong. In other words, the father's prayer was, oh, that he would feel the pain of regret. But for some reason, this boy did not. If only he would feel the pain of regret or the pain of remorse. Church, there is a point, there is a purpose, and there is a plan. You know, I mentioned that night we were driving back from Nashville after Dad's funeral, and in that hotel room, feeling despair and loneliness and everything else, I just remember, out of the blue, a song popped in my head, and it was actually a song that we did this past Sunday uh, at the outdoor chapel. It was a classic that my dad used to play, and it was, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Can I actually see those lyrics? Do we have those? It was this, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Just read these words with me. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And before we left South Dakota that fall, uh, we went to church with my mom and at a church where I was a, a young teen leader at and on the worship team and whatnot in Madison, my hometown. And, and the, pastor, uh, the pastor that week, he said, he said something uh, that really stuck with me. Pastor Justin said, this life, I, mean, I just imagine one day, one day, the rapture will come or we'll pass away in these earthly bodies and we'll be with Jesus uh, one way or another for a period of time. And I bet that when we are there, when we are there, when we are there in our new bodies, when we are there, think of that, dimensionally speaking, when we are there, I bet this life will feel like the dream. <laughs> I bet this life will feel like the dream. Oh my goodness, I bet it will. Why suffering, church? Why suffering? You know, Jesus suffered. The great architect of our salvation suffered. He suffered. And we say, why suffering? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 says this. 
says that he was despised and rejected by mankind, a, a man of suffering and for, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And, he, and we held him in low esteem. Why are we surprised then? Why are we surprised then that we suffer, church? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Peter tells us, But may the God of all grace, who called us, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. <laughs> what? That's your prayer for me, Peter? Thanks, but no thanks, right? Isn't that what our minds, our pharmaceutical-seeking minds would normally jump to? May the God of all grace... Imagine this is my prayer for you tonight, church. May the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Wouldn't you say, oh, Pastor Chad, couldn't you just say, you know, skip that after you've suffered a little while part? Couldn't you say, may you just perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you now? No, that's not the prayer. After you've suffered a little while. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Peter there says as well, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Wow. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Reads, In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, or this translation, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You know, that's a common theme throughout the Bible. You can't miss it if you, if you study your word enough. Childbirth is a common metaphor that is used, that the, pro the prophets use, that Jesus used. You know, the pain of childbirth. As a woman is pregnant, right? She begins to have birth pains, right? And pro prophetic about the future as well. The earth itself, we'll see birth pains. Nation rising against nation, everything. Birth pains of the soon return, just before the, the return of Jesus, right? We'll see birth pains in the world all around us. What does that mean? Well, what happens? What happens when, when a, a mother has come to term and she's about to give birth, right? She begins to have pains, right? She begins to have contractions, right? That's what happens. But the child, the child is growing in the womb. The child doesn't know any better. And all of a sudden the woman is, what is she? She's suffering. That's what is happening here, church. This is our eternal birth that we're experiencing right now. This life, hear me now. This, I said it in the beginning of tonight's message. This life that we are experiencing right now, this is a teardrop in the ocean of eternity. Everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. Get your mind around that. Everybody will spend eternity somewhere. This is our time in the womb. This is our time and we're becoming who we're going to be. We're becoming who we're going to be when we are born, when we are birthed into the eternal, when, our, when we're in the twinkling of an eye, our bodies are changed, when we're transfigured, when we're made to be like Him, right? 
You remember the, the nature that Jesus had after the resurrection. He was physical. You could touch him. You could feel him. He ate, but he could walk through walls. And he ascended into heaven, right? We'll be multidimensional. Incredible. We're not there yet, are we? No, we're still in this plane. We're still trapped in, by time itself. We're still trapped in this uh, four-dimensional experience where there's pain, sin, suffering, anguish. How we handle that, how we handle that and go through that, that's what births in us our character, our integrity. What did Lot's wife say? Are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Yes, we will hold on to our integrity and we will suffer well hmm. until we're born, until that glorious birth comes to pass. Amen? There is a point and there is a purpose for it, church, and a plan for it, church. You know, the child, think about this. When I, when I was a kid, we moved a couple different times. You remember, I remember, I think I loved every house we had. I'm so nostalgic. Every house we had, we had a, a lot of fun in, so I'd always, anytime we moved, I'd be like, no, even if the next place was better, and it usually was, right? Think about that. When a child is, when a child has to go through something like moving, all right, the parents tell the children, "Okay, well, we're going to move from this house. We're going to move to another house or another city, whatever it is." The child doesn't understand why the parent is moving them, but inevitably, it generally for their good. Same thing with us, church. There's a there is a point, a purpose, and a plan for suffering in this world in this realm that we are limited to and in, and we don't understand it. We're, we're not going to fully understand it, but we can understand it to a degree. You know, Just like the child who doesn't know why they're being moved, so are we. Suffering prepares us for more glory, as a matter of fact. That's what Paul said. What's that mean? You know, One of the counterintuitive truths about suffering is that it prepares... Christians for more glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says this, This light momentary affliction. Ha! Light momentary affliction. Any suffering that you could endure in this life, Paul refers to it. This is a guy who uh, was killed in the Colosseum for Christ. Understand, beheaded before Rome for his, uh, his uh, ministry. He refers to it as this light momentary affliction. This guy was beat. This guy was persecuted. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. These, these verses, I get it, these verses are like sandpaper on our modern sentiments about suffering. Trying to tell me that suffering is a good thing? What? We naturally try to avoid suffering at all costs, don't we? But God allows suffering in our lives for the sake of our eternal joy. Who would turn to God in need if there were no suffering? Who would choose love and light and God if they knew nothing else? Pleasure itself is defined by, by its context to pain. 
that God allows suffering in our lives for the sake of our eternal joy, yes, even our glory. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Oh boy, oh to be there now. Church, do you feel that? Do you feel that verse? Do you desire that verse? I'm telling you, church, for all the suffering that my dad endured, he handled it well. God was glorified through and strangely by his suffering. His family and friends are thus edified by it. His tears are dried and he's got a crown for it. Amen? Mm -mm. James chapter 1 verse 12. Let this be said of us. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. God is good, church. Annie Johnson Flint uh, is an interesting story. I'll close with this. Annie Johnson Flint uh, was an orphan. She was, uh, had a dream to be uh, a concert pianist. Uh, you can look her up. It's a pretty, pretty uh, fascinating uh, story. And it's one that Ravi actually um, references fittingly. She was an orphaned uh, a little girl who dreamed to be a concert pianist. She suffered from arthritis, however. Not only in uh, uh, her arthritis did her own body attack her, uh, but she was diagnosed with cancer. Then she was diagnosed with being incontinent. That means she had issues using the bathroom. She actually ended up having to wear an adult diaper. So she's wearing an adult diaper, she's got cancer, she dreams to be an, uh, a concert pianist, but arthritis ended that dream for her. As if that, all of that doesn't sound, uh, as if that sounds bad enough, she was then stricken with blindness. I'm just, you can't make this up. Stricken with blindness in that condition, with her arthritis riddling her entire body, she was then uh, uh, put given the sentence of, uh, of being bedridden. When she was bedridden, she began to get bed sores and then boils from lying in the bed. She, it said that she, would, uh, it, she needed eight different cushions around on the bed for her to lay on to give her any kind of relief. She wrote a beautiful poem in this condition, from this condition, a beautiful poem. I'd like to share it with you. It's called, He Giveth More Grace. Can we read that? He giveth more grace. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, 
When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary known unto man, for out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. God. God is good, church. God is good. God is good. I know... I don't know why my dad didn't get his miracle, but I can tell you that God has been glorified. People have marveled, and lives have been edified through his suffering and suffering well. Why suffering, church? Because it's necessary. It's necessary. It does something. There is a purpose for it. It's part of his plan. It's part of his plan. And what a privilege. What a privilege it truly is to endure suffering with grace. Let, that only that God would give us the ability to suffer. For me, I say, as I witnessed my father do. And as in the case of uh, Annie Johnson Flint, oh Lord, that we could have that we could have the integrity to suffer so well as she did that she is still blessing us uh, with these words generations later. Mm -mm -mm. A privilege, church. What a privilege it is that we can endure this suffering with grace. A privilege I feel one day that I wouldn't wish to take away from my dad. And he would choose not to undo himself either, especially at this point where he is now. Amen? Amen. We'll close here tonight with every eye closed and every head bowed. I hope that you're blessed by this message. Perhaps you're suffering. So many are. So many are in this world for different reasons, suffering personally in our bodies, in our circumstances, in our lives, in our emotions, in our families, in our relationships. I hope you're encouraged tonight. I hope you the word of God is a, a salve on the wound of your suffering tonight and that you'll know it's, it is not for nothing. Do you hear me? There is a purpose for it. The purpose in what it will create in you. The, the, the purpose in, in how it will glorify God. You know, I, I also I can't help but think about this. You know, uh, when in, in John, John chapter 21, I believe it is, correct me if I'm wrong, God, Jesus tells uh, Peter the manner in which he will die. And he does so. And when Jesus tells him, he te the word says that he told Peter the manner, in which he would the manner in which he would glorify God by his death. And how was it that he would be crucified? His arms would be, would be spread wide. When Peter was being crucified, he said, no, I'm not worthy enough to be crucified in the manner that the Messiah was. So they crucified him upside down. Whew, all the worse, church, all the worse. But that phrase... The manner by which he would glorify God was indeed suffering. Why suffering, church? 
Why suffering? There's a purpose for it. It's part of his plan. It's for you. It's for your benefit, believe it or not. It's for you and it's for him. And so we yield to him and we yield to that reality. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here tonight and you've been suffering, whatever it is, whatever it is, maybe you haven't been suffering well, maybe you hear this message, you hear the word of God and you're ashamed and you're dealing with how poorly you've been suffering, just release it to God. Maybe you've been missing the mark. You've been missing the mark. You've had the opportunity to choose love or choose self-gratification. Maybe you're choosing to, to be the victim and adopt the victim mentality. You're choosing uh, just to uh, live your life in a manner that gratifies the flesh. And when anything stands in the way of that, uh, it, it, you, re you refuse it. So you certainly refuse suffering for the name of Jesus, for the cross or persecution, anything. If your mind is wrong, let's get it right, right? now. Don't miss this opportunity. I say this all the time. This life, church, is a teardrop in the ocean of eternity. This is your one chance that you've got. You've got one chance for all of eternity to live a life of integrity by faith, choosing Jesus, choosing to believe without seeing. Once you look into the, the eyes of, filled with fire of Jesus, once you look upon his face, once you're there, this is over. This chance to glorify him in your suffering by, by choosing to suffer well in integrity. Oh, church, if you've been missing the mark on that and the Lord is bringing conviction or it's bringing comfort, whatever it is, I just want you to bring it to the throne right now. Bring it to Jesus' feet. Bring it to him. Surrender your heart. Lay down your heart. Lay down your pride. In humility, come boldly before him. In humility, come boldly before Him. Just close your eyes and lift it up to Him. Surrender it to Him. Give it to Him. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to suffer well for You. Lord, give me Your integrity. I need integrity, God. I want to suffer in integrity, Lord Jesus. Give me the strength, Lord. Give me the perspective. I refuse the victim mentality, God. I refuse entitlement, Lord Jesus. I refuse pride, Father. I humble my heart to You. Lord, I want to glorify you in my suffering, Lord Jesus. I can't run from it, but I can glorify you in the process, Lord Jesus. If that's the prayer of your heart tonight, I'll just lift it up. He hears you. He sees you. Church is going to use it all. Do you believe that? If you're watching this and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. Come into my heart and make me new. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. I believe because you live, I live. Come into my heart and make me new, God. Walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. We love you guys. We're looking forward to seeing everybody Sunday at the Rawwood Retreat, 1030 a.m. If you can be here, it's out on Highway 100, just past the Loveless Cafe. We'd love for you to join us. Invite, invite somebody. It's Father's Day. It's going to be a special day, so perfect day to invite somebody to join you. All right? We love you guys, and we'll see you then. Good night.